Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fish and Game Podcast. you got your host here. Justin Townsend, and I'm joined by uh, my other buddy, Adam. Say hello. Hey, everybody. How you doing? This is the uh, peninsular Adam from the southern reaches of the United States. (laughs) So this is uh, Florida Adam, and normally we're on with Adam Berkelman, who we also refer to as Canada Adam. So, uh... It's good to have a, a little bit of a difference between between the, the two, uh, both um, geographically and personality-wise, I would say. Uh, love them both. And today, uh, we're going to have a special episode. This is what we're going to call a crew chat. It wasn't going to be a longer crew chat, but um, the rest of the crew got tied up doing other things. So really, it's just us, uh, us two. We make the crew. Uh, which is fine by me, and uh, we'll, we'll get started on what our episode is going to be here in a minute. First, I want to see what everybody's thoughts are about our our last episode we had. Um, it was pretty good, uh, pretty good episode. Advanced wild game cooking te- techniques with Larry White. I, I ran across Larry White. Uh, I was conned into joining Instagram about a year ago, and I ran into him pretty quickly, and. He's doing some really nice stuff, so I haven't listened to the podcast yet, but he's definitely caught my eye. I, I liked it uh, a lot. It was a good conversation. I would say that I was uh, the episode was more about what I wanted than than what uh, pleasing the audience, because I just wanted to chat with Larry about all his really cool recipes. And we both share Coast Guard history, so that's that's uh, always fun. But um, I don't know, Adam, what... Uh, what have you been up to lately in the world of hunting? I've seen some pictures from you, uh, wild pigs, snipe, all kinds of stuff. What do you got going on? Uh, right now, getting ready for turkey season. Um, snipe's kind of winding down. It's been a really good year as far as uh, 
the birds go, being able to get out once a week or twice a week, um, which I didn't have last year. But just really happy to be able to get the dogs out. Uh, we've had a bit of a pig problem in the backyard as of late. Um, yeah, lots of pork in the backyard. So that's been keeping me pretty busy winding down with uh, processing season for deer, trying to get ramped up to do mobile work and the spring cooking travel education season is coming up we got the bha rendezvous uh two months away um so yeah, yeah like 70 and, 70 something days yeah and then uh june and july and then alligator season starts in august so it's all just rolls right back over but just trying to stay oh, busy. it all goes so quick right it really does once you get in that rhythm seasonal work has its ups and downs and its ebbs and flows but once you once you get in that rhythm it really does go by pretty quickly speaking of seasonal work why don't you remind sort of everybody what you do uh uh for work i run a small wild game processing operation uh and also do mobile slaughter and domestic animals on occasion um just trying to try to do good work uh make sure that animal does not die twice as we like to say you know you you killed it once don't don't screw it up uh don't screw it up from there on out so which uh I think uh, so. Adam also is the our lead instructor for our wild pig camps uh, for the butchering aspect. Uh, he helps educate all our folks when they come down to pig camp. But it also really plays into why uh, why you know I had him and the broader the broader crew selected for this episode um, because one I value their perspective. Two I like hanging out with them. Um, but really, this topic's right in, in Adam's wheelhouse here. And so it all began uh, a long, long time ago. <laughs> and there was one man in a cooler, in a cooler full of ice and some water and some meat. No, just kidding. That's kind of how the story started. But uh, for us, what this episode is going to focus on is... Uh, we're going to kind of discuss the the ins and outs of the myth of soaking wild game meat in ice water. And really, this all stemmed because uh, back on the last season of The Sporting Chef, uh, we had a, a segment on there. And on that segment, we ran a, uh, it was kind of like cooking tips, tricks, how-tos, and then we chose to debunk a myth. And the myth we chose to debunk was the common practice of soaking meat in ice water. Um, Adam, as a butcher, gets a lot of it. I don't know. Do you still take it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he takes – he receives meat like that. There's, receives it more commonly than he probably wants. We, we try to educate people on proper handling technique. Sometimes you don't have a choice. 
Um, but once you have the knowledge, you generally have a better understanding of how things work, why you do it, why you don't do certain things, and it's really not that hard. Um, it's not that hard to not throw it in ice water. I think a lot of reasons people do that have been debunked. Um, I, I like to tell people yeah. it's... It, Coolers these days, they're really good. Like, you used to have an ice box in your house where you put a block of ice in it and it would keep the whole ice box cold. That's kind of how a cooler works. You, you, it doesn't need to be submerged necessarily to get that cooling effect. Now, to get that initial cool off, I think that's why people throw it into that ice water. But you have more time than you think to get that that cooled down, um, and there's there's a right way to do it. And if you cool it down too quickly, and heat can't escape from the inside, then you get a whole other set of problems. Um, there's just, there's a lot that goes into it. There's cold shortening, which is a whole other conversation. If you take the meat off the bone during rigor, and you chill it too quickly, whole other set of problems. So, um, but the main thing is, I think, ice water. So essentially, in this whole process, we, we made a video, and uh, the video was a side-by-side -side comparison of, um, of what happens when you do that. We took a cut of meat from the loin of, I forget if we used a deer or a wild pig at camp, I forget. And we put it in a dry cooler and put it in the walk-in. And then we took uh, the same exact cut from the other side of the animal and we put it in ice water and put it in the walk-in. And we let both of them sit in there, I think, for a day or two. And then we pulled them out and visibly the difference side by side. One was still nice and red and delicious looking and the other one was like this gray, soggy, squishy mess. And we, we cut them open on video and showed a side-by-side -side of, like, how the water had penetrated the meat on the one and, like, changed the texture of the outside of it and all these other things. Um, and, you know, it's just really unappetizing uh, from the beginning or from the, throughout the process. And so we took that video, sent it to Sporting Chef. That was obviously released as a clip. And then we posted it on social media. And... Uh, Adam, you probably read the comments. I read the comments. It was pretty spicy, uh, across both, uh, sides of the fence. I would say people that have been like doing this process their entire life and swear by it, uh, people that soak meat and other things to include like, I don't know, Adam, uh, Mountain Dew or like, I've heard so many different random things people have soaked game meat in. Um, and then you've got other people on the other side of the fence that one is just like, it's completely foreign to them. And this may be largely geographic, uh, like during deer season, it's cold enough outside. People just hang their deer outside. Like if they live in some Northern States, um, and then others are just like, I used to do it. I learned the repercussions and like I've since moved on. But you may be wondering, especially if you've never heard of it, uh, why people do this. Uh, 
I've heard from people that the most common one is probably that it gets the blood out of the meat. Um, and I'll, I'll save all the, we'll talk about the myths here in a minute, but that's one thing, Adam, what's one thing you've heard as to why people soak ice meat in ice water? That's, that's the most common reason is to get, get the blood out or get the gamey taste out of the meat. Um, yep. second most common reason, obviously being in, in Florida is the need to get it cold quickly. Yep. So those, those are the two. Two major reasons. We're going to talk in a minute about how to get it, uh, how to get it cool quickly, some proper techniques. Because that's something that came from this conversation on social media as well. As people are like, "All right, well, you know, you've made this shorter video. Uh, I was thinking it was like two to three minutes about this whole process, but you didn't really give us the right way to do it. Like, in your opinion, in your thoughts, through the research that you've compiled, what is the correct way to cool meat? And we're going to go into that. But first, let's talk a little bit about what soaking meat in water does. And Adam mentioned some things like, uh, especially if you take it off the bone and don't allow it to go through rigor, you get cold shortening. Do you want to explain explain what that is real quick? Well, uh, so enzymatic activity, buildup of lactic acid after you exercise a muscle, like when you get cramps, you know, um, Mm -hmm. it's the same kind of thing when an animal's going through rigor, your muscles tighten up and if they don't have anything any attachment points on the bone with tendons as they tighten up if they can't release back to to that connection point they're just going to tighten up and they get cold and they stay that way so you can see the muscle when i see cold sort of meat come in you can look at it and see it touch it it's harder rubbery i mean it has a definite look feel and texture to it and it's it's because that meat has been taken off the bone and chilled as it's in rigor and trying to tighten up and doesn't have that time to go through rigor loosen back up and and reform at those connection points into the muscle group that it was before it started to shrivel up like a slug i guess you could say yeah that sounds it sounds terrible too and it affects the the texture of the meat right as well because it's not allowing it to come back out and sort of like relax yep absolutely those muscle fibers want to be in very long strands um and when you make a steak tender you're cutting it against that grain and if it's not allowed to go through rigor and then like tighten up and then stretch back out. It'll always be in that. That's a that's a good Tight shot, bound up. Video, right? It's a lot of it'll always be bound up. It's hard to describe. I'm not a scientist. I don't want to use inaccurate chemical terms and and description. Sure. There's people out there that do that, but that's Science. that happens. Yeah, exactly. Um. No, that, that, that's a perfectly good description. And I think so that's that's one thing that can happen from sort of 
chunking your meat in in ice water and cooling it down too quickly. The other thing that happens is um, you begin to denature the meat in and in not a good way. Like people uh, people get sort of brining, wet aging, and soaking in ice water kind of mixed up. Uh, with they they all do different things. Um, brining, you know, has salt in the water which then uh through osmosis helps tenderize the meat uh just plain water does not do that um because there's no osmosis happening and fusion instead of osmosis yeah so one concentration going to another versus equalization yeah diffusion versus osmosis that process you get when you soak it in ice water that ice water, the water is entering the cells of that meat and it's bursting uh, those little pockets of liquid inside there, which is why uh, why you see that kind of white pasty outside on the meat whenever you get that. And I'll ask this, Adam, what do you do with that like white outside color of the meat as a butcher? What do you what do you do with that bit? That that grayish denatured layer like you it's been yeah yeah that's just what do you what do you do with it it's edible it usually goes in the ground pile i mean if it gets if you're making sausage out of it it goes it goes right in there so if you're if you're if you want steaks if you want a meat case presentation piece it's not going to be there but for most cooking purposes, I mean, it's it's color and it's texture. So, so essentially, kind of what I'm getting at is if you're taking meat and you're throwing it in ice water and you're letting it soak – and say it is, you know, uh, a loin off the deer or like a choice, another choice cut, you're going to be losing part of that meat that you would normally enjoy in that cut. And it would either get added to the grind pile or it would get discarded, uh, depending. Um, so wouldn't be getting the full use out of the original cut. Uh, you might be able to get some use out of it in the grind, but I don't think up to its full potential, like Adam was saying, like a meat case presentation. Yeah, it's not going to be one of those things I would put out in front of people and show them and be proud yeah. of the way it looks. But it so is it edible? Absolutely. Would I throw it away? Absolutely not. Unless bacteria, which I think well, is that's later exactly on. what I was just about to lead into. I know, is, uh, yeah, I, I, yes, I you have lot. See you checking off the things as it goes. I was like, is he really doing that? Yes. <laughs> there is some uh, some health concerns, I think, with, uh, you know, soaking meat in water, right? And if you think about just overall, like, hygiene, clean, cleanliness in the kitchen, uh, you know, for the same reason that you don't cut vegetables on a board that you just cut meat on like bacteria spreads and one place bacteria spreads is through water um so especially if the water is at a temperature that is either uh too cool 
um, or too warm, which is weird. There's a weird or not a weird, there's a zone where bacteria thrives at. Um, Adam, you know that off the top of your head? I'm trying to think if I do. 42 to 142, I believe is what the health inspectors would tell you. Somewhere in there, um, the safe zone would be considered under 42 degrees or over 142 degrees. Yeah. And uh, you're probably not going to store your meat at 100-something degrees. (laughs) But it's really easy for a cooler. Yeah, that's true. Um, But it's real easy for a cooler to go from... I don't know, upper thirties to slip over that safety boundary real easily and, uh, then start to create a, a place for bacteria to really thrive. Um, yeah, bacteria and a lot of these coolers, people don't bleach their coolers. You don't know where that ice water came from. You're, you know, you're introducing Mm -hmm. bacteria from your knife when you break it down. Every time you open your cooler, there's just so many different sources of unknown bacteria that you're introducing them into an environment where they have exactly what they need to thrive. They have food, water, and air. And yep. you want the more you can eliminate those or provide them the right kind of air, which is movement of air, not stagnant, and um, the right temperature of environment, then you're going to you're going to prevent that bacterial growth. And we talked to sort of by temperature about temperatures and really the ideal temperature to store meat at is what below below under, 38 degrees under 42 but ideally right around 34 36. Yeah. Um you know if it's and that's cooling it almost to freezing but not quite. That's cooling it almost to freezing, but not quite. Meat meat freezes at a lower temperature than water. Um, and, and again, you have time. You have more time than you think. And you can't cool the outside so quickly that the inside is not able to lose an adequate amount of heat. So you got to think about thickness. Um, working with larger animals like we in Florida... You know, our deer are pretty small. We get some pretty big pigs down here. So you got to be conscious of that. I've seen people freeze whole hams where the inside of the meat wasn't allowed to cool in time. So it stayed hot. You get what's called bone sour. So that could be an issue. Um, Just slow, consistent air movement, you know, just... You have more time than you think. Keep it dry. All good steps to take. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, 
Have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. And so in talking about um, sort of keeping meat dry versus wet, so as a, as a processor, um, what's the difference in working with the sort of wet meat versus dry meat what's what's the difference to you it's going to lose its own moisture you know that's that's as it loses water weight it's going to gain flavor um, and if you allow it it's going to actually increase tenderness so you're sacrificing weight but you're gaining texture and flavor in a lot of people's opinion some people wouldn't notice so the dryness, ease of handling, lack of bacteria are two of the main reasons. Um, dry stuff is easier to deal with than slippery stuff. You know, there's a lot of the reasons. The same reason you want to chill your meat before you cut some steaks. It's a lot easier to handle and accurately cut something cold than it is warm. Well, it's a lot easier to accurately cut and hold something that's dry than it is wet. So there's a lot of advantages, both tactile and hygienic. Yeah, cold, cold and dry equals like very easy to work with, uh, firm meat. In other words, exactly right. Um, and you mentioned taste too. Um, dry is crisp. You can't have that dry texture, so that's how it ultimately tastes. It affects your your perception of taste by having that dry, crispy outside against that warm, juicy inside. You know, it's it's dryness. That's moisture is the enemy of crisp. Yeah, because you're essentially so. In order to get that nice crisp Maillard reaction when you're searing a steak or searing a piece of meat, even if you're searing a roast to go into a braise, like a uh, you, you can't have a barrier of liquid between your hot pan, uh, your oil, which is also, you know, your fat, and your protein source yeah. because there's moisture. salty outside and pat dry. Yep. Yeah, and you want to get rid of that moisture. Otherwise, you're not going to get a crispy crust as you would. So that also plays into effect of like if you're going to have steaks and you are soaking meat in ice water, you're going to have to cut off the outside of it in order to get a good sear. Also, too, 
similarly to like marinating where you've got something that's denaturing the outside of a piece of meat so in marinades you're typically going to be using that for something thin that you're going to be cooking really fast and you need it to be very flavorful um with steaks or bigger pieces that are beyond you know a quarter of an inch like a marinade is just going to coat the outside and probably really only penetrate a little bit into the meat uh but it's going to denature the outside of the meat if you leave it in the marinade long enough just like if you leave the um if you leave the cut of meat in water long enough, you're going to end up with this like grainy outside that's kind of mushy and grainy, which is not going to sear. Um, it's just really unappealing. Yeah, and I keep hitting on that, but I'm trying to like stress some points that were brought up. Sorry, what were you saying? Uh, if you've ever soaked a crab trap, throw some meat in a crab trap and see what it looks like 24 hours later, you know, you wouldn't want to eat that. A crab would. That's the same kind of thing with your meat, you know? Yeah. Um, no, but I think that's, I think those are like really kind of the, kind of the, the big things that I wanted to hit on as to like, why, I don't know, Adam, did I miss anything you think, uh, going through that? Yeah. You know, I've been trying to think of an, an analogy this whole time with protein Denaturing protein, crispy stuff, and the best thing I can come up with is creme brulee. Okay? It's eggs. Eggs are a protein. They can either be scrambled, denatured. They can be nice creamy custard that's firm. And then you you get that crispy outside because it's dry, seared. So, meat's a lot... the. Meat proteins are a lot the same. I mean, they're all proteins, right? Heat, acid, moisture, they all affect what that protein will look like and taste like as the end result. You know, you don't want a creme brulee that feels like scrambled eggs in your mouth. You don't want a... A, a a loin to have that grainy mealy texture. I had a lot of conversations come up last night, or not last night, just recently about mealy texture. What is that? Like you bite into a tomato and it's mealy, or you have sausage that's mealy. You want that sausage to be a creamy texture, and that's that mixture of protein and fat, like a good creme brulee. That when you bite into it, it's not like hamburger meat in a casing. It has that beautiful, unified texture that is a manipulation of fat and protein into something that's good instead of something that's texturally offending. Like meat soaked in water. Meat soaked in water. Yes. Um, friends don't let friends soak their meat in water. No. It's going to be my next t-shirt. I guess let's talk about some alternative methods because uh, I started doing this and, and I started actually writing it in an article and then I used it for another project that I'm working on. But we'll go ahead and, and cover it here and really 
Um, we're going to talk about like four to five methods. Um, the first one is probably the most straightforward. And uh, that's going to be uh, hanging your meat outside. So if you live in a place like the Great White North or, you know, even where I live in the West in Colorado and during the hunting season, the temperatures drop below, you know, 38 degrees, 40 degrees and get pretty chilly at night. Maybe not all the way down to freezing. You could hang your meat when it's frozen. Just understand there may be some consequences to that. Um, but uh, you're looking for that that safe range of, you know, uh, under 30, but not quite down, down in the, the very freezing temps. So, or sorry, under 40, but not down into the low temps. Um, you want to make sure there's good airflow. You want to make sure it's not raining. Raining on hanging meat is not good. Uh, I would um, argue that that will probably turn your meat bad pretty quickly, uh, especially if it's at a temperature where it's raining and not snowing or doing other things. So think through that. Uh, but that good airflow piece is another one too. Uh, you want to get your meat cooled down, uh, and get it dried out. And that's going to form the pellicle on the outside, which is going to be good to help protect the meat. And then also to, uh, you know, it'll, it'll, uh, give you a good indication of when that meat's ready to start processing. Um, so that's probably the most straightforward thing. Um, so let's say, all right, I'm out and about and I've got a cooler and I've got ice, but I don't want to throw it in ice water. What, what can I do? So this is sort of the first method and probably the most, uh, easily done. So you can put your ice in the cooler. You want to open your drain plug in the cooler and you want to prop your one end of the cooler up so that the as the ice melts, the water naturally drains out. It also allows like a little bit of airflow inside the cooler to kind of move around. Not saying it's going to be a lot, but it's something. And then what I typically recommend is creating a thermo barrier uh, between the ice and the meat, not in its entirety, but it allows the meat to not sit on top of the ice because meat that sits on top of the ice can still get freezer burn as that cold transfers to the meat. It can do the same thing, uh, maybe in a minor scale of what you would see in your freezer. Uh, but also too, you're not letting the meat sink and slide down into the ice below. Uh, anything to add on that, Adam? Uh, I would say as far as hanging outside, um, you can start out with a much higher outside temperature. I mean, you got to think that animal, so you, it's going to lose heat by, what is that, evaporation. So you have airflow around it. It's a daytime, you kill your animal in the daytime. It's daytime temperature of 70, 80. Animal's body temperature is higher than that. Um, you take the skin off, you cut it into smaller pieces while it's still on the bone, you quarter it. Um, yeah, again, I try, you have a lot longer than you think. As long as you're keeping it, like you said, out of the rain and dry, it's got to cool down and then heat back up before you really have to start worrying about anything, any of the nasties. Um, so take, take your, take your time 
versus do it wrong. So just just really the best thing I can emphasize is you have longer than you think. Um, it can they get they say four hours between forty two and one forty two is the is the time that prepared food. Um, so again, just take your time, do it well, don't rush it, stay clean is one of the biggest things in, in, in that time frame because when you're working in a hurry, you tend to cut corners and that's when your bacteria, that's when your nasties are going to get introduced, you know, not taking that time to just think about it. That's, I mean, that's the biggest thing I see is people in a hurry thinking, especially in Florida, you know, thinking they have to get this thing cold, like right now or get it gutted like yesterday Mm -hmm. and they rush it and they open the guts because they're in a hurry with a knife. Um, You have a lot longer than you think. You have to remember people have been doing this in this climate in Florida for thousands of years before we refrigeration and they managed to make it work um that's no accident so once you get it apart then like you said that barrier between the ice it's like the kid in the christmas carol sticking his tongue on the flagpole that's what you're gonna get (laughs) that's a great analogy (laughs) um i'll say as as an alternative to like this is what i always recommend to people when they ask um what what i recommend this is probably my number one method that if you're going to do a cooler i take either um usually half gallon or you can use gallon if you got a big cooler to uh like milk jugs and fill them full of not maybe not all the way full of water but almost up to the top with water so you give some room for expansion expansion and i freeze them before the hunt then i throw those in the cooler and then i uh after you shoot your animal, you just place it in the cooler. You've already got one. You've got this frozen block of ice that's going to be uh, slower to melt than a bag of ice uh, because it's a big solid mass. It's contained inside a plastic apparatus, so you've got your thermo barrier, but it's going to create a cold environment inside the cooler so you can store your meat in. And it's reusable. You can use it over and over and over again. If you think about it in a very like commercial way, Yeti did it, you know, with their like cold packs for the bottoms of the Yetis, but you can do it with a milk jug. And you can uh, buy milk jug, bleach in soda a bottle, bucket anywhere, and bleach them and keep them super clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a uh, I. You don't have to worry about opening the drain plug. You don't have to worry about water. You don't have to worry about the meat soaking inside of it. Uh, it. It's like an overall great method. And then when you're done, like Adam said, bleach them, clean them off, throw them back in your freezer, uh, and just wait till you go out next. I mean, that's like the number one way I recommend if people are going to store their meat in a cooler from the field to their house or field to the butcher or field to wherever, that's the way to do it yep. uh, is with the milk jug method. Um. 
Now let's talk about sort of once you get back or once you get to the processor or if you're out traveling. So I would say, you know, there's a lot of folks that uh, make their own walk-ins. I mean, it's not super terribly hard. It's just all about creating an environment where you can have an insulated room or semi-insulated room that you can get down to that temperature range, which we discussed earlier, and you want airflow in there. I've seen people do it with coolers, with air conditioners, with fans, with a combination of a bunch of things. But ultimately, you know, I, I mean, I've seen people store deer in uh, older refrigerators and things like that, that have a good airflow system. I think you can do it, uh, any of those methods, as long as you've got the cool temperature and the airflow and a good way to determine like how your meat is doing in that environment is by feeling it. Uh, if it's tacky, um, and still kind of moist, then it's not getting enough airflow and that's creating an environment for bacteria on the meat, uh, because that drying out and the formation of the pellicle too helps create or eliminate the environment where bacteria can grow as, as quickly as it could in a moist environment. So, um, and then two, uh, that pellicle as it forms, lets you know, like, all right, you know, I let this deer hang overnight inside my cooler or outside or whatever. I've got the pellicle now it's formed. I can see it. Now I'm ready to start doing some work on it because it's a good indicator that the meat's firmed up enough to, to start working with more easily. Any comments on, on walk-in coolers? Uh, you know, I, I, it's pretty easy these days to spend less on a good, storage system than it is a good ice chest style cooler Mm -hmm. um chest freezers are pretty readily available and pretty cheap and upright freezers that you can take the shelves out of and there are devices that you can use to override the the power, so basically you can set the temperature digitally above freezing and it will cycle the power on that unit off and on as needed. Um, so you can keep a freezer at 34 to 36 degrees. So for the cost of a chest also- freezer and a $70 ink burner johnson control unit you could have yourself not a walk-in but a reach-in drop-in cooler yep one two if you've if you got some money to burn there's uh all these new uh dry age coolers that are coming out uh as well that pretty pricey but way pricey. they'll get the job done yeah, way pricey. Dude. Yeah, yeah. There's some good. Um, I mean, I, th- I gotta see what is it, ten by twenty walk-in. That's run off an air conditioning unit and a cool bot, and it keeps my room at thirty-six degrees in Florida in July. Um, it it works great. Uh, it'll cool quite a large animal pretty quick so that's what you need you need small enough small enough 
pieces to cool down quick enough on the bone and stay dry. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, also too, one thing I was going to mention is like, if, so like I hunt on the road a lot and sometimes, uh, you know, you may shoot an animal day one and you're, you're there with your buddy who's still got four days to fill his tag. Um, you can often rent, rent space at processors or butchers or whatever inside their locker for like a per day fee. Um, if you're not going to have your animal processed there and there's even places like, when we're up in Wyoming hunting antelope, sometimes if, you know, that situation occurs, I'll take it in and I'll pay them to skin it and hang it, um, you know, and just let it hang in their cooler, uh, for three, four days until I'm ready to pack up and go. And then, uh, you know, I'll ask them like, uh, you know, pull it back out. I may break it down in half or break it down into quarters and then put it in the cooler using my, uh, frozen milk jug method, <laughs> um, and then transport it home. Um, you know, and I think that's a perfectly good option too. So keep that in mind if you're out and about. And then I, I did have a note on here, Adam, as we're like going through this too. Can you, and I mentioned it earlier and we didn't go really into it. Uh, could you explain the difference in dry age versus wet aging? So wet aging is typically when you're going to get in a packaged grocery store piece of meat. You know, it's going to be cryovac anaerobic environment it's going to sit there in liquid and its own juice for a while um and dry aging is exactly what it sounds like it's exposed to air uh you're gonna to have to have a proper humidity so you don't have that pellicle form too quickly and just like the temperature has to have the ability to leave the inside in a controlled manner, the humidity has to have the ability to leave the inside in a controlled manner. And if the outside dries too quickly, you'll get what's called case hardening. And that moisture will stay on the inside. Um, so dry aging really requires a lot more attention to detail. Whereas wet aging, you can get any vacuum sealer. Uh, you're going to provide that anaerobic environment. You're going to provide moisture, and then it'll be able to sit indefinitely um, until you open it back up, and then it gets probably deteriorates pretty rapidly. You know, depending on what was in there before you put it in that 
anaerobic environment. So, But sort of something to round it all out with is that soaking in ice water in a cooler is not the same thing as wet aging. No, absolutely not. Uh, you No, not even in the least. Uh, uh, yeah, no. Like, no, apples and oranges, night and day, however you want to do it. Uh, dry, aging, yeah. dry aging and wet aging are closer together than wet aging and throwing meat in an, in ice water. Got it. Nope, that's perfect. Um, the other thing I had, oh, so if if I was a person that was interested in, in dry aging my, uh, you know, let's say venison ham, venison back quarter, how, what would be the ideal amount of time, in your opinion and experience, that I would probably want to uh, dry age that? I mean, it's going to depend on thickness, um, humidity. Again, you want to start out with a high, hum- high humidity, low temperature, um, and the proper amount of salt and cure, depending on what your final outcome is going to be and that's a whole other podcast so time for something cured uh i would say no no, no not cured dry dry oh, dry dry oh, i'm sorry um yeah man it really doesn't start till about two weeks i've done venison on the carcass for 90 days and it's been some of the best steaks people have ever had so really just the right environment and what your preference is. Uh, but I, I really think like three to four weeks for me is right where you're not getting so much loss. You're starting to get that really good flavor change. And it's not so much that people are like, wow, that's way different than I'm used to. So that's kind of the sweet spot for a lot of people as far as dry aging goes in my opinion three to four weeks nice depending on the no, cut it's perfect some cuts yeah don't require it but still can benefit from it because again it's just a, a different texture a different flavor and if you eat a lot of wild game it's just something else to add to the you know, variety is the spice of life, right? Mm-hmm. And what do you do? Uh, so we talked about, we've mentioned the pellicle several times. Um, what do you do with that uh, in the butchering process? Where does that go? That'll go right into the grind. That'll get your, like, um, dry age burger flavor and profile. Um, add fat with that. And uh, you will not be disappointed. I like it. It's tasty. I've had it before. Really, really, really good. So, well, I think, I mean, I think we hit on just about everything I wanted to in in this episode. Um, you know, I wanted us to talk through sort of the reason why we did it, you know, the sort of myths behind it, and then uh, to talk sort of why, why, why we believe it's wrong and and that's a lot of backed by science and reason and other smart people outside of us but um and then i wanted to provide those alternative methods um so that people kind of have a good idea of like what to do 
if you're looking to get off the train of soaking your meat in ice water. <laughs> I can think of another way to say that. Um, uh, but, that you know, it, it, what? <laughs> not, not... <laughs> um, it, you know, if, uh, if you're looking for alternative ways, I think that's it. Or if you're looking for, you know, some of the better ways, that's, that's, that's what we recommend. But, um, I don't know, Adam, you got any last thoughts or alibis or anything you want to leave the, the <laughs> audience with before we go? Uh, you know, but before we started, you were having, I think you threw out the phrase low quality or low quality individual or something. Um, what? No. No, I don't know. <laughs> Something made me think of it. There is a podcast I still listen to called Cooking Issues. And they would always talk about low quality individuals. Like when you do something that isn't the best way you could do it, it's just a low quality individual, you know? It's like keep it high quality. Nice. I like it. That's a hot tip. Um for me, you know, I I think there's there's all things uh, steeped in tradition. A lot of it, when it comes to wild game, like we've learned, we've learned from our forefathers uh, ways to do things. They're not always right. They're not always wrong. But I would say, if you want to, you know, increase the output, if you want to change things up a bit, and you know, think about things from a food perspective when you're out hunting and get more in tune with it. Uh, you know, look, look to the science, look to the, the health and safety standards, look to the way that a butcher or a processor or somebody else handles it. And, you know, I I think in the end you'll, you'll end up with a product you'll probably enjoy more. I'm not going to tell you you're doing it wrong, but there's definitely other ways to do it. That's going to make, the game and the meat more uh, enjoyable, if that makes sense. It does in my mind. The animal already died. Um, don't like Adam said. Again. Yep. <laughs> don't kill it twice. Um, with that, uh, thanks everybody yeah. for listening. We'll make sure we have all the show notes available online. Um, be sure to head over to social media and make sure you're following Harvest Nature. And uh, and Adam too. What's what's your Instagram handle? Cure number one. Yeah, cure number one. That's it. If you want to hit up Adam with any butchering questions, he's a wealth of knowledge. Um, and then uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, punch that five star button and uh, leave us a review. Tell us we're doing right, or you know, tell us we're doing wrong. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. miss thursdays with saltwater experience brought to you by golden boat lifts every thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment